Good evening and welcome to episode 52 of the Talking Talkie podcast. My name is Nick French and this evening I am joined by Rowena Williams. Good evening. And Mr Ben Curry. Hello. Now we're going to go back to Saturday obviously and talk about the third defeat out of three. Um, Halifax at home which I didn't go to but you two both did. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong but we were by far the um, the worst side on the day, papered over the cracks with a couple of goals in the last couple of minutes, um, but were beaten by Billy Waters, who was always going to score, and a couple of fantastic strikes. Um, I don't know who wants to go first on that one. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind going first. Um, so I think some people came away feeling a little bit positive because the last five minutes were exciting. Um, but the reason the last five minutes were exciting was because the rest of the game there really had been nothing to cheer about. Um, I didn't come out of it like particularly cross because I didn't feel like any of the players were walking around or not trying. Um, it seemed like poor old Lapsley. I think Ben said when we were talking earlier in the week that the more Lapsley tried, the worse he got. Um, he just seemed to lose the ball a lot. Um, I don't like to call players out specifically during the game, but he just, for me, he wasn't really up to standard. Um, we played really narrow and we would try to run it down the middle and we would just get tackled every step of the way. And it just felt like there was a real lack of confidence. Nobody was really making the runs. Um, nobody was really even looking for anything. Sinclair Armstrong worked really hard, but he didn't really get much given to him. Um, and again, he was getting tackled quite easily as well. I think the substitutions made a real difference. It was not a lot of people agree with me, but I actually thought Holman was pretty good on Saturday um, and low loss was really made a difference. There just wasn't really much to feel positive about. I think we were put under a lot of pressure by not that great a team. As you said, Nick, Billy Waters was always going to score um, and he didn't even really deserve to score. You know, he, we, he wasn't particularly a problem and then he just got given so much space Coming out as the second half, we were just asleep. We just let, I mean, to be fair to Halifax, a couple of their goals were really, really good. But we just let them walk through us. They, we gave them so much space to take the strike. Um, I can't say I came out of it very impressed. I did feel, though, that the effort that the team continued to put into the game right up to the last minute did make me feel like they are still working hard for the manager. They haven't given up. I'm just not sure that the quality and confidence is there. How about you, Ben? What did you think on the day? It's hard to disagree with that, to be honest. Um, I thought we started brightly. We started quite well. Um, completely different to how we started against Dover. I thought, you know, on Saturday we started positively on the front foot. Um, uh, ben Winter had a drive, which the keeper saved after two minutes. I thought this was going to be, you know, a better day. A couple of early corners, a bit of pressure. Um, but... I mean, as we showed in the non-league South days, when we scored early, we'd normally go on and, and, and win quite convincingly. But it just seems this season, any time we've started well, we just haven't got the goal to set us on our way. The only time we did really was against Willstone and we won that 5-0. So in games like this, the first goal is always crucial. And it just seemed that when Halifax got their goal, which was a nice goal, um, I wouldn't say confidence drained, but I, would, I think the crowd certainly dropped and that's, that seeps through to the players on, on most occasions, especially when you consider how toxic the atmosphere got against Dover in the last home game. Um, when Halifax started getting on top, they looked at a decent side, not spectacular. Um, like, like you said, you know, fifth place, you know, they weren't the best team I've seen at playing more this season. Um, but 
once they got on top, they didn't really have to do much to to show that they were better than us. Um, McDonald made a couple of really good saves in the first half, and then we gave their guy um, the best player on the pitch, 25, slew, was it? Too much space, and it was a lovely shot into the corner. 1-0 half-time, not the end of the world. We've turned that round before, not a problem. Thought we needed to get a second striker on straight away. Didn't happen, but whatever Gary said in the changing room at half-time, obviously doesn't matter if they score a second goal after 47 minutes and a third goal after 50 minutes. And after that, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we threw in the towel. I agree with you. You know, it wasn't downing tools, but it it looked like we just lost the heart a little bit. And um Halifax just played it through us. And in the end, we were very, very lucky. We weren't six or seven down before we finally worked out how to get a shot on goal. Do you think it's a, a confidence issue at the moment? Is it a quality issue? Or do you think that the players are kind of struggling to understand the message that's coming out to them? Because we seem to be sort of chopping and changing formations a little bit. So is there is there a mixed message? Is it confidence or is it quality? For me, um, formation should always try and get the best out of as many players you've got available to you as possible. And for me, this formation is primarily to get the best out of Conor Lemonhay Evans who we know on his day can be the best player in the division. We saw that last season. He, he's brilliant when he's on it. But when he's not on it, it it then becomes a very narrow sort of melee of players in the centre, all, all, all mismatching. You've got Lapsley, Hall, Evans and Little all within 20 yards of each other. You can throw a blanket over them and it gets very muddled then. So then you need someone up front with a bit of nous and, you know, Sinclair Armstrong's a very, very willing runner and he'll, he'll graft all day long, but he hasn't got the know-how how to unlock defences. In, in, so if you, it just seemed like our options were very, very limited if, if the players you bank on creating new chances are not creating new chances. And obviously we're, we're very much struggling in terms of the wide players at the moment. Last year, it was it was always a, a pretty obvious when they were fit. It was Nemain and it was Whitfield. And they had, you know, we know all about their qualities. But this season, we seem to be searching for the right, that right mixture. Um, O'Connell seems to be growing into, into his role a little bit. And, and I think, I've said it elsewhere, but I think he's obviously willing to learn and that will be why he gets given the opportunities. And, you know, it's similar with Dan Martin as well on, on the left-hand side. He's he's obviously very athletic, which which Johnson will find as a as a prerequisite for getting into any of his teams. Um and, and O'Connell, as I say, willing to learn and, and will be listening and taking on board the the advice he's being given. But we don't we don't have any kind of consistency in the wide players. Therefore, Sinclair Armstrong's not going to go know what ball's being played forward. Um, you know, is the winger going to try and beat the man and then get a cross in? Is he going to try and cut inside and get a cross in? It's really hard then to try and make the right runs at the right time, which, as you say, makes it really hard to create any kind of opportunity. And that's just it. We weren't really creating any opportunities. You know, even I think in the second half, we maybe had one shot on target. Um, and, you know, the, the crowd started to turn. I don't think that's helping right now, I think. Personally, I feel like some fans have got a bit of a short memory about last year and how far we got with Gary Johnson. Um, I 100% still think he's the right man to be in charge. We just need to... I was really confused by the formation on Saturday, I have to say. It just wasn't really working. Um, and to come back out and let those two goals in 
um, trying to do the same thing. It was just screaming out for somebody to run on the wings every all the time to add some sort of um, to, like whip into the game, and it just wasn't happening at all. Um, and you know, like Ben said, Sinclair Armstrong, I really want to be impressed with him. He looks really fit. He works really hard, but he's not really doing much at the moment. Um, we, we desperately need somebody to be consistent as well. Um, I don't think Lemon Hay Evans has been consistent this year. We know that Little hasn't. We're not really seeing anybody leading that team and playing in a way that makes others play up to them and play up to their level. I think at the moment we've got, so to answer your, your question from earlier, Nick, I think we've got a real lack of confidence. Um, I don't think that the whole squad doesn't have the quality, but I think there are members of the squad that don't as well. Well, you look at our forwards and uh, Ricey, one goal, been injured for half a season already. Holman, two goals to his name, really hasn't done much. Uh, Lolos, that was only a second league goal. Armstrong's only got one league goal. So that, your four strikers you've employed for the whole season have got six goals between them. And, and that tells you the story. You look at any team in any league and if your strikers aren't scoring, you're going to struggle. Um, it was interesting. O'Connell came on, I thought he looked lively. And it's interesting where he is now in the pecking order. I think I agree with you, Nick, but he's clearly someone who wants to kick on in his career. He's already um, above Byron Moore, who didn't make the bench. Gabby Rogers didn't make the bench. And Jake Andrews, who didn't get on the pitch. So they are wide options and only one of them got onto the pitch in the end. And actually it was O'Connell who probably looked the best bet of, of, of creating something when he came on. I agree with Rowena. When um, Dan Holman came on, I thought he did okay. I mean, I'm a big fan of Dan Holman and obviously it hasn't worked out from this season, but you can tell he knows what to do. He just can't do it with the players around him. And I think if you put him in any other Gary Johnson team we've seen the last two or three seasons, he scores goals. If you get the ball in, into the box early, like Nemea and Whitford were last season or Kalala and uh, Andrews were the season before that, you'll get goals out of him. But just playing the ball around on the edge of the box and... Uh, fainting to cross and cutting inside and passing it back to the fullback and then passing it across the box and then try to beat a man, drinking it in and out. It's not going to get us anywhere. And we got up to the edge of the box plenty of times in the second half and didn't create anything. It was just so, so frustrating to watch. There's just no innovation or dynamism there in the final third. And last season, we saw plenty of that with the neat interplay of, of Little and Evans and uh, whoever uh, Whitfield and whoever else, and we just haven't seen any of that sort of quick, incisive passing this season. It just seems whenever you ball anywhere near that, 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 that the goal, it just goes out for a goal kick or gets cleared. It does feel very static. A lot there, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of movement going on off the ball, um, <clears throat> and the only player who really, for me, is not driving the team forward through leadership, but is happy to get on the ball, is is having shots and is actually comfortable is little at the moment. Lemonhay Evans hasn't got anywhere near the, the heights he hit last season. He was the best midfielder in the division. This season, he's been carrying a knock. He's had a bit of a stop-start couple of months. But <clears throat> when he's played, I have to say, if he was a new signing, I'd probably be lumping him in with a few others and saying they've, they've, he's not been good enough. Um, little seems to be the only player who is getting on the ball, trying to move forward up the pitch because otherwise the ball's then just being recycled to the fullbacks. It's then a bit of a lofted ball forward. Armstrong doesn't quite make it. And then it's coming back at us. And when you haven't got the strongest defense, 
the first thing you need to do is be making sure that that ball isn't coming back at you every time it goes forward. And we're being put under an awful lot more pressure than we need to, which, you know, I think obviously signing of the season is probably McDonald at the moment because he, he, from what I understand, was probably man of the match on, on Saturday um, and, and has been probably our, our most consistent performer since he came back. But there's only so much a goalkeeper can do. Yeah, I mean, the highlights will show he was at fault for the third goal, but by then the game was over. But even then, Billy Waters had the freedom of playing more to stroke the ball into the back of the net. Not one defender tried to get back to get a boot in or cover the line, anything like that. And actually, the um, the second goal came from a mistake by Perrett, who uh, um, he, he had a very shaky afternoon, I thought. He's not quite what, what we're looking for, I don't think. Um, don't like writing young players off at all but I think we need uh, an experienced bastard in that in that defence and I think we need one very very soon like when Guy Branston came and just sorted out all our defence issues in pretty much a space of two or three games we need someone like that to come down and just sort it out yeah I agree um I think there was a bit when we were three nil down as well just going back to Nick's point about like lack of urgency and pushing forward and and they were still pushing at us, you know, they were almost pushing for a fourth. And we were just, we were playing like we had three goals and we were sitting back. And even when we did get it, we were walking around. There really wasn't a sense of urgency. And, and Ben, you mentioned Jake Andrews, like, just what do you think is going on with him? Like, where is he? Has he fallen out with Gary? It just seems bizarre that he is not even on the bench. I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever really fully recovered so far. He was obviously pressed back into action a few weeks ago. Um, after his his COVID, and I think he's probably still struggling with that. He's you know he's not blessed with the most athletic physique, um, you know, and and I think it probably takes him longer than others to get in shape. And then you add something like long COVID, which is what I'm assuming it was, and and you know what a few people have said that it was, um, and it's going to take him longer than others. And we know his quality on the ball. He's, he's the best person at taking set pieces. His corners, his free kicks are fantastic. He scored about four goals at a combined total of about 100 yards last season. You know, he, he's not afraid to have a shot. He's got really, really good quality. But I don't think he's in a position at the moment where he can, he can play for 90 minutes. I, I think there's, he could probably barely play for 45. Um, and he's probably, again a bit of a victim of the fact that we had those two cup games in the space of four days where he had to play the majority of them and has probably taken a bit of a backward step in his fitness because of having to be forced into it. Yeah, I mean, it, he feels almost like a passenger at the moment, which is probably an unfair thing to say, but in an ideal world, we wouldn't need to be playing him or having him in the match day squad. But the fact he still managed to get in ahead of Byron Moore that seems a very strange one to me. And uh, Gabby Rogers shows that he is rated. It's not falling out, but do you bring him on to run around on a cold day uh, when you're 3-0 down? Or do you just, just say, well, just get another week's worth of rest into you? I think you, you probably do the latter, to be honest. Um, it, it was ridiculously cold. Um, ridiculously cold. I, I, can't, I can't stress that enough. It was so made, cold. <laughs> which, which made that second half, watching them walk through us time and time again, just, just counting how many chances they, they were, was going begging. It, it made it a very, very, very lousy afternoon. And I've never left a game early. 
I, I never will leave a game. I was about to say the exact because same think, thing then. <laughs> my, my, my thinking is you might miss the best goal you've ever scored. Even if it's a 95th minute consolation, you could just see someone absolutely twat a volley in from 30 yards you'd be talking about for the rest of your life. So never, ever leave a game early. But I can understand why people did. But they missed the last five minutes, which, OK, it does make up the fact that we were dreadful for, for 80 minutes. But it was something to warm the cockles on what was just a ridiculously cold day. Yeah, having... it was really, really, really cold. My toes felt like they died. <laughs> having obviously Welcome back not, to not been there. Yeah. Having not been there, obviously I was following I was following at home and it went 3-1 and you thought, okay, bit of a consolation. And then little twats went in from 25 yards. And I'm I'm then on my phone refreshing, constantly refreshing and and listening to the radio, thinking, oh come on, we can we can do this. I'm you know, from the sounds of it, from what you've said, from what we've discussed. It would have been a horrendously, you know, unfair result on Halifax if we had managed to scramble something in in the 96th. Yeah, although they, you know, they sat back and like one of their players started to really go at the official about a throw in when they were three nil up. It just couldn't let it go, and the pop side was really enjoying that, you know. And he just was good, and it felt like they were as as a team, Halifax was starting to focus on the wrong thing. Um, so I thought. I think it would have been really unfair for us to get a point out of them, but I think they had something to learn about seeing a game out, definitely. I think if the game had gone on for an extra five minutes, or if we just got our act together five minutes sooner, we'd have definitely got a draw because they absolutely shit themselves. They completely lost the plot to the point where they were so comfortable after 85 minutes that you could have just stopped the game there and then shaken hands and declared at 3 0 because it should have been six or seven. So to go from that to when they were running around panicking essentially um was, was quite a turnaround and it, it does show that Gary Johnson hasn't lost a dressing room the players are still going they're not getting the results and it's not working out for them but they're not lying on the floor or digging their own graves they are giving it a go still so I although it's disappointing with the one we're on I, I don't think that it's as bad as certain elements of social media will have you believe it certainly makes you want to grab a couple of the players and shake them and go, look, if you just give it another 5%, another 10%, we're not a bad side. We're not, it, it's not hope. Hope is not gone. We're not, we're not a terrible football team. It's just not quite clicking at the moment. And so I don't really think it comes down to not enough effort though. I, I really don't like of the games I've seen, the games I've listened to this year, I just think, I just think they're not working as a team at all. You know, they, they almost don't know how to talk to each other. They're not, I, I don't know. I just, it's for me, I feel less frustrated with this team than other teams I've seen before in this position at, at the table at this time of year, because I do think they're working hard. It's just, they're come so lacking in confidence. It's, it's bizarre. Like Ben said, you know, we have, we've, we've all been here for, you know, 25, 30 years you know, about 30 years in my case, until you've seen a team finish 15 points adrift at the bottom of the, the Football League with a top scorer who scored four goals, Buckle and Paul Baker scored four goals apiece. They were our top scorers. Until you've seen that with four managers over the course of a season, or three managers sorry, over the course of the season, you know, that was the worst football team we have ever had. You know, we were saved by the fact that Stevenage used to play in a field with a couple of benches. We we really were. We we shouldn't have stayed in the football league that season. We were really lucky. Um, 
And the problem that we've got at the moment is that a lot of a lot of football supporters are, you know, a lot of the supporters that I see in social media, it's easy to voice an opinion and expect a manager to be sacked and things will just be hunky-dory after that. You know, you see Barnett have had 13 managers in seven years. They're still in and around us in the table. You know, you could, you've had Watford who have bounced up and down from the Premier League to the Championship, who have had probably more managers than, than we've had dinners in the last year. You know, there's, there's, a, there's such a short-term vision in right across football. It's not just at the, at the top end. It's not just in our league. And we, we can quite clearly see that the budget this season isn't what it was last season. And I, I've, I've been on record saying that I think it's because of the salary cap coming in. I think it's a case of trying to tread water this season, which is a very dangerous route to go down. But you've watched Stockport and you've watched Chesterfield and Wrexham and Notts County and all these sides go out and spend huge sums of money. And fair enough that they're, you know, they're looking to do what they can this season to try and get out of it. And two of them might. But we haven't got that, that amount of money to spend. You know, the owner, for whatever his motives are, I don't care. He funded Gary Johnson last season. He bought Gary Johnson in. You know, he's clearly not stupid. But if the budget's been cut and we're trying to get through to the next season, okay, we sat Gary Johnson. Who comes in to replace him? Because the money's not being given to them. So whoever comes in is going to be working with a, the same or a similar set of players. Gary Johnson's going to be able to go out and get one or two more players in. We know he is. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And I, there's nobody I trust more than him to just get us over the line this season. Then he can have a full preseason rather than three weeks, which he had this year, when all the players have been taken anyway. He's got, he's got time to plan. And then we're, we're, we're competing with everybody on a level, level playing field again. You know, next year when Wrexham can't spend TikTok money and... Chesterfield aren't, aren't on furlough insurance and Stockport are going to have to, you know, do the same thing. And everyone's got to go with the, the million pound budget or whatever it is. That's probably where the budget is for us. At the top end of that is probably about a million quid. Now, I think that we, I, I, I wouldn't want anybody other than Gary Johnson. And I don't know where we're going to find this mystery magician who's going to come in and suddenly... Ali Omar is going to be playing like Rio Ferdinand and, you know, Tom Lapsley in the middle is going to be going to be playing like Roy Keane and, you know, Sinclair Armstrong is going to bag a hat-trick every week. These managers don't exist. Yet there's one or two out there. Pete Wilde's doing a great job with Halifax. I, you know, I, I think he's had a fantastic season. You know, and you'll get these managers who come up and they go down. Give me Gary Johnson. Any day of the week, give me Gary Johnson. Well, history is repeating itself, isn't it? Because uh, last season we had a horrible mid-season slump and the same old voices were calling for his head then and he turned it around and got us to within a, um, uh, a, same, a Simon Maver away from getting back into the Football League when we were written off in, in January as probably going to end up, you know, almost slip, slipping down and uh, not in, getting into playoffs. Um, it wasn't so bad. He knows, he knows how to turn it around. It was very interesting. He said after the game, I got us into this mess and I'll get us out of it. And that, that shows to me that he's still got the passion for it. He's got the fight for it. He knows what needs to be done. And he, he will try and get a tune out of the players. And what I'd say about this squad is that we've got a good run in us. I think there's a, a team there who can just put four or five results together 
and get us out of immediate danger. Because these good runs normally come when you least expect them. And we were talking just before we came on and started recording about one McFarlane's season, where we were hopeless for three quarters of the season. And then for the last 10 games, we, we started playing like Brazil and we really got our act together. And, 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 you know, I remember Paul Buckle in our first season back in the Football League, very much the same thing. We were hopeless for three quarters of the season and then ended up keeping 10 clean sheets in, in the last 10 games. So just stick with it. Don't panic. It's Gary Johnson. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it, you know, and, and I think some of us got accused of being happy clappers, which, which really wound me up because we're not. None of us are happy. None of us are happy that we've lost three games in a row. None of us are, are coming away from, from defeats thinking, well, that was really good, you know. It, it wasn't. We scraped past Dover. We lost at Barnet. We lost miserably on Saturday. We'd lost at Aldershot. You know, it's not good. The team aren't, aren't great. We're not playing well. We're not, we're not happy. But the alternative is what? I, I, what these, these people go... Garrett Johnson, you know, his time's up. I think he should walk. Absolute bollocks. Just what I, what I hate with people is, is giving me a problem. I've always said to people at work, don't bring me a problem. Tell me what you want, to, what, tell me what you want afterwards because we can, we can eradicate the problem. We can sack Gary Johnson. But what's, what's two, two months? What's six months? What's a year down the line? Who, who are we employing? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be in the conference south with no Gary Johnson, <laughs> you know. Um, and like we were we were chatting about it as as Nick said just before we started. And there is, you know, these people that are saying we're happy that we're not very good. You know, there is a gap between not like not wanting Gary Johnson to be here and being happy. There's this sort of understanding that these results aren't going the way we want them to go. But we like, you know, we do have to recognize that he had about three weeks to build a squad. We have an owner that doesn't exactly help him and support him that much. And I think it's incredible how much Gary Johnson's presence masks what our owner is like. Incredible. You know, this same owner caused serious problems at Bristol Rovers. Serious. Yeah. And like uh, somehow Gary Johnson is managing to sort of fend that off by, by the manager that he is. When this when this owner took over and he kept Gary hours when we went into the conference south, I was determined that he was running the club down. I was absolutely determined when he brought, brought Gary Johnson in. Like I fell back in love with Torquay because I was pretty sure that our owner was just going to use us to sell our ground, which he keeps trying to do. With Gary Johnson there, we're still bringing in big crowds. You know, things will get better. And and I totally agree, Nick. I don't understand who these people think would do a better job. I think some of them think that they might do a better job than Gary. Well, they are. They're, they're, they're football manager managers, aren't they? They're, you know, they're Twitter managers. They're, they're brilliant behind the keyboard. They're great. But if, I'd, I'd love, do you know what? If someone gave Gary Johnson shit, I would absolutely love him to pick them out of the crowd, get them down into the dressing room and go, go on, then you give the team talk. He pretty much did at the Dover game. Uh, some guy behind him in Bristow's bench was giving him some dog's abuse or, or, or something. And uh, it was, uh, he turned around and they were having a bit of an argument. I couldn't quite work out what they were saying. And then two minutes later, Amani scores a winning goal. And, and Gary just turns around and stares, just gives him the glare saying, what are you going to do now, big man? You know, it's just, it's not helpful, is it? It's not helpful to just to chucking abuse at a man who's been and done it all 10 times over. He got Yeovil into the championship. Yeovil. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeovil Town into the championship. Yeovil. People need to, <laughs> people need to sometimes take, take stock a little bit 
and maybe take a step back and say, yeah. To me, it's the equivalent of Brighton fans booing, booing their oh, result. Mental. Absolutely. Like, where do they think they would be without Potter? Like, it's just absolutely insane. They're ape in the Premiership. And I'm glad that he said it as it is in that interview after mm. the game. And he didn't go, oh, you know, I liked how he said it as well. He said, you know, they're entitled to their opinion, but basically you don't understand football. And I, lo- I loved that. And that's how I feel with this Gary Johnson argument. And also as well, I don't know if you've seen, there's quite an obsession with he doesn't come over and wave if we don't win does he have to do i I, at the end of my working day if my team hasn't performed would i go over and celebrate that no did you you go over and clap them when they've had a good day (laughs) i had had an argument with a fella right after the older shot game and you probably saw it and you know he's he's moaning and bitching and whining about the fact that gary johnson didn't go over and thank them all you know individually for traveling to the game I think I'll oh, just get a, get a life, mate. Honestly, you know, I, I've got bigger things to, to worry about, bigger things to care about than whether Gary Johnson comes and collapses after we've lost. He probably doesn't want to come over and get the abuse because of what people have been like. You know, there's, there's, there's no reason for him to come over. You know, he comes over to celebrate a win because people are happy. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go over and, and clap everybody knowing that they're all giving him shit. Well, you look at Mike Issel, he gets more shit than anyone. He's our top scorer by country mile and being our best player this season by country mile. He still gets shit. Whatever he does, he, he, he gets abuse. Yeah. Um, I, I get called a happy clapper quite a lot because I, I just continue to be as positive as I can. And that's probably masking how I, I feel about most things about talking United at the moment. Because obviously, we're in a perilous situation and it's disappointing. But I just can't stand people who go around constantly just being negative and slagging players off and just making problem, problems bigger. It's just, I enjoy Saturdays three o'clock so much, always have done, always been my little part of the week, which I look forward to. And I'm not going to let some idiots try and ruin that by making it seem as, as pointless and as, as negative as possible. I'm going to try and enjoy it as much as I can and get the positives where I can. And yeah, it was a very cold, miserable day on, on Saturday, but hey, this time last year, we couldn't go to football matches. And we're exactly. Watching him, exactly. This know. is the first time that my dad has felt comfortable going to a coming back to play more after the pandemic. It's the first time we'd stood in the pop side after all of it. So I still really, really enjoyed it, even though there was no pies when we arrived. Unbelievable. Arrived at quarter past two, no pies. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the point I always make about Gary Johnson is last season our team must have scored what thirteen last minute goals in empty stadiums where there's no fans willing him on there's no fans cheering him on or, or you know they're not trying to impress anybody it's to they're just playing for themselves more or less in an empty stadium and you can see how much those winning goals meant to every single player and you the point that gary johnson would make of marching all the players over to the pop side camera freezing cold night no one in the stadium and 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 clapping at, at a camera uh, as if to say to the fans that you, you you're part of us that's a special man who does that when he's 64 years of age and doesn't need to be doing that on a cold that, Tuesday that's night. A, that's a good point as well, Ben. You know, like, they were doing that without a crowd. And right now, I'm hearing... Like, when I was in the top side, I was hearing people shouting, fuck off to the players. Like, the players can hear that. You know, if maybe, just maybe, this negative shouting abuse at your players isn't helping the situation. And maybe, like you're saying, Ben, it was easier for them to carry on and win a game in the 97th minute because they don't have somebody on the pop side telling them to fuck off when they come on to, <laughs> when they come onto the pitch. It's just, you know, I don't, I just, I, it's not, I don't like to ever hear at a game somebody shouting abuse at one of our players. I just think it is 
so unhelpful. It's not going to help anybody perform better to hear that. And these are these are supporters who will also say, I don't understand why players won't come and sign for us. Mm. I don't know why these players, I don't know why Kyle Cameron left because you were telling him to fuck off last week. Yeah. Word so gets around. <laughs> yeah. And, and other pl- players will talk to each other. I know full well players will talk to each other. And one of them, if somebody has the opportunity to sign for us and he knows somebody who's played for us before, he will go to that person and say, I've been offered a deal at Torquay. What do you think? Players talk to each other. Football is quite a tight-knit community. You know, you look at the number of players that, that will play with each other, you know, only once in their career, but they will always remain in contact and, and will always say to each other, oh, I've, I've got the opportunity to go and play here. What, you know, what's it like? Oh, yeah, really good atmosphere. Don't go down there when, when they're doing really badly. It's, it's, it's really toxic. You know, Armani Little, I wouldn't... If I was him, I would not want to sign for us next season if, he, if he's not under contract. Because why, why would you? Nobody, nobody makes him feel welcome. Your job as a football supporter, in my opinion, is to go. If you're going to a game, you go there. And from the minute that first whistle goes until the minute it, it gets blown for, for full time, your job is purely to support the team, support the players. If you, you know, it, it goes back to when you were kids and you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Just back them. That's all you've got to do. Back them to the last minute because we scored two goals in injury time. You know, I was, I was reading um, an article the other day which talks about what we do in training and they, they play these five and six aside games in training and the losing side has to do a 12 minute run at the end of, tra- uh, end of training. And if it's a draw, both teams have to do it. And that's where that desire to get that last minute winner comes from. There is drive, there is desire, there is coaching. Gary Johnson doesn't need a thousand amateur watch football on a telly on a Sunday and think you know everything. When in, in, in reality, you know very little. You just really support a team. Just go there and back them. What I would like to say as well is last season, not counting the playoffs, there was only 1,500 fans in the ground then, but that was the best atmosphere I've ever heard at a talkie game at Playmore, and it really drove the players on. And obviously, I'm not saying it, it, you can recreate that when it's a miserable match in the middle of November um, and it's freezing cold, but positive support will take you a lot, lot further than just, just standing around, just negatively shouting at players to fuck off because they're not doing what you want them to do. Yeah, you've got. I, I always, I always think about some of the sides who have got the, the the best atmospheres at their games, and I mean, I know you're a big fan of Crystal Palace. Oh, and <laughs> and Crystal Palace, they don't, they don't win loads of games. They're 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 rarely in the top half of the table. In fact, I've heard people describe them as a League One club in disguise, and their but their atmosphere at their games, their supporters back them. Right from, right from the beginning, right to the end. And the noise that they make in their stadium, even when they're playing shit defensive football and Zaha's falling over and moaning at the referees, you know, it's, they, they back their team. And, and you, you can't ask for more than that. All I want is, is when people go to our games to have a bit of a reality check and go, I'm here as a supporter. All I've got, all, all I've got to do, my job for the next 90 minutes is just to try and support those players. If, if there's a misplaced pass, it's going to be a misplaced pass. But there's nothing, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than booing your own players during a game and calling your manager out when he's, he's got the highest win percentage of any manager in your club's history. 
that's just moronic. I mean, the thing with Palace fans is, is they really do support their players. I mean, if if some mouthy gobshite that no one's ever heard of on Twitter starts sounding off at one of their players, they siege mentality. They will go after him. They will. They will try and they they will they'll say most horrible things about him. He shags dogs. You know, his family's going to die. He, you know, he doesn't know he's horrible things. But you got you got to say fair play to them because they really do support their players, even if their players are crybaby divers. Sounds like you shouldn't get into a fight with Crystal Palace fans. Maybe one to avoid. Oh, they they you know like like we say they you know they they back each other up. You know they they will watch match of the day on a Saturday night, and they will they will go all out for somebody who criticizes them or suggests that Roy Hodgson was doing quite a good job. Maybe not they're only, just secretly angry and hurt that Roy's gone. Anyway. Not only will they uh, have a go at him, but they they will search the names of people they want to support. They won't even you know wait for them to be put in tags or or in hashtags, they will just search for names onto Twitter and find someone somewhere, some random nobody, and just, you know, they, they will try and destroy him. And I think that's great commitment. And that's what we need to do about our players. So that's what we're, so are we suggesting that we start like a talky, you know, scout of uh, Twitter and start really going yeah, for anybody get, that yep. says anything bad about the team, you know, 100%. if anybody ever says like, you know, something like, because it's the equivalent, isn't it? You know, maybe Gary Hours should still be there. You know, really going for him. I don't know anybody that would argue that corner. <laughs> Not even Gary Hours would argue that. Lesson learned. Let's none of us start a fight with Crystal Palace fans. And right. let's all try and be as positive as possible about talking. I mean, Ben, did you come out of... We have both been quite scathing. Um, and Nick, you were listening to the game as well. Let's all try to think of perhaps one positive that we saw or heard in the game. Um, I guess for me, like Ben Winter looked pretty sharp and when he got man of the match, I wasn't surprised. I enjoyed watching him play on Saturday. Um, I felt like he looked quite physically fit, um, was keeping up with the pace. So that was my positive from the game on Saturday. I think for um, me it was good to see Asa Hall back. Um, I think, you know, the structure of our team is such that we probably at the moment, if we are having to set up slightly more defensively than normal, is that that Asa Hall is an integral part of that that setup? Um, you know, regardless of, of who you play as the the front three or four, you've got to be working from a solid base. And and also we've we've missed that that real captaincy. Armani's led led from the front with it. You know, his goals, his his assists, because without him we would be fully in the shit. Um, but from a a proper old school captaincy perspective. We've we've really missed that direction and and just that calmness that Asa brings. Yeah, we saw that last season as well, didn't we? Where uh, he was out for a few matches in the middle of the season, and then he came back and he really got his form together in a strong way, and he was dominating matches towards the end of the season. And you just got to hope he has that sort of uh, similar sort of season uh, in the coming weeks. Um, but you can tell that he's he is a captain both on and off the pitch, and you can tell all the rest of the players uh, really uh, respect him. Um, my positive would be Lolos. I thought he was a bright spark when he came on. Um, uh, I feel like he's been slightly hard done by so far this season in, in not giving as much pitch time as he might perhaps deserve or might have felt he's entitled to, but I, I, I saw he really did give it a good go. Um, I think he really was the uh, ignition to our, our comeback. I say comeback, but you know our, our late rally, if you like, on on Saturday. Um, he actually tried to beat a man. Um, he tried to get a move on 
bit of urgency and he took his goal really nicely as well. So I think there's a player in there, um, but it's hard to know how to build a team around him to get the best out of him. And I think that's true of most of our strikers, actually. It's just something we need to consider going forward. We already spoke about how narrow we were. Do we then change plan B and go wide for the second half of the match? Or Because if we do try that, it, we tend just to have be a bit of a mismatch uh, of the two and not do one or the other. And it just gets a bit of a mess, really. So I'm, I'm, I think, to go back to your early question, I think we just, we're just struggling with a way of playing altogether. And if we find that, I think we'll be okay. A lot of the a lot of the substitutions are are having an impact in games. Um, I think it was Matt possibly that that said the other day that you know it, it doesn't really matter who's starting; it's who's coming off the bench that feels more important at the moment. Um, now, obviously, we've got Stockport coming up. Um, we, we've got Weymouth on Saturday, and that to me is obviously just such a crucial game because you've got to beat the sides that are in in and around you in the table, which we didn't do last week. Um, Weymouth is one of those that it's not a long journey. We should have a fair few in terms of the away following. It's, it's getting to the point where those kind of games are a must win, especially when, you know, your next few games after that, taking the trophy aside are going to be Stockport and two games against Yeovil. Um, Saturday feels like it's a, a really, really important game. And it's possibly more of a don't lose the game than anything else. Obviously, we you know we, we need to try and get the win, but we cannot afford to let Weymouth beat us. Um, how would how would you line up with that one? Given that, as I say, most of the most of the good stuff that's happening is is coming from changes that get made in the the latter part of games. I think I'd go to up up top. I think Armstrong needs support up there. Um, I don't think he can leave a liar on his own. I think he's a grafter, he's a trier. But I think he needs someone alongside him to help him out. Um, too often on Saturday, we tried to lump it forward and he had his back to goal. And he held it up nicely, but the move fell apart. It, it would just be nice if he had someone to flick it onto or, or help him out. And if that means we've got to go back to the diamond in midfield, then we do that. But... I think if we play one up top, like we're not going to create too many chances unless Little and Evans are on their game together at the same time, which doesn't seem to be something that happens very often for us. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I would have O'Connell start as well. Um, I think, I think you know, coming off the back of that performance on Saturday, I, I would, if I was low loss, I'd be really disappointed if I didn't start on Saturday. I think he he deserves to. I think he worked really really hard. Um, we just need. I think we we need to not play that formation with that team on Saturday really desperately. I would. I wouldn't change a huge amount of it, but I would I would start O'Connell. Um, I would maybe make the substitutions a little bit earlier as well. I think you're right in that we do have a team um, that are perhaps not. I don't want to say this, but perhaps not strong enough to play. Like we haven't got like really, really strong players for a full game. So maybe we need to make those substitutions just a little bit earlier. You know, play play it almost like as two halves. You know, with with the players coming on. Get for me, I really enjoyed watching Holman play on Saturday. I think get him on, get him on in the 60, 70th minute. Give him some time to get really into it because I agree with Ben. He really looked like he knew what he was doing, and I think I would like to see him play a little bit more on Saturday. 
I think the problem we had on Saturday is that Tom Lapsley was so bad. And he's been a bright spark this season. Um, you know, we know he, he's a hard worker. He, he grafts, gets up and down the pitch well. But it was like playing with 10 men on Saturday. And you'd hope that someone who's played 150 times in the Football League for Colchester doesn't make a habit out of that. And it was just a bad day at the office. I, I'd be very surprised if he felt really that bad badly. for him on Saturday. Like, I felt like he worked really hard. And, but he just... He was just tackled every single time. He just couldn't hold on to the ball. And he never gave up and he tried to get it back. But it was almost like don't pass to Lapsley, wasn't it? On it was. It, it, was, it, was, it was really sad to see because we all like Tom Lapsley because he sleeps in his football kit and you know, he tucks his shirt in and he wears uh, plain black boots and he combs his hair before he goes uh, anywhere. You know, he's, he's clearly a, someone, uh, a nice lad and a, you know, a decent footballer, but he just had an absolute shocker. So even if you get an extra 10, 20% out of him against Weymouth, then that's going to be better than what we had in the midfield on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's one of those, isn't it, that, that sometimes the harder you try, the less comes off for you. And then you just look like you're a bit of a headless chicken somewhat. But he's been, he has been a bright spark for us. He has been, of, of all the players that came in at the beginning of the season, he has probably been the one that we would have been happiest with at this point um so you know you, you forgive him what is probably just an off day and hope he comes comes good again next week uh one sour note on the game i just like to draw attention to is that um a halifax fan was ejected from the ground uh, for making a racist gesture towards sinclair armstrong and this was only brought about through the diligence of a Torquay fan uh, in the away end who uh, I believe saw it happen and went to a steward to get the person who did it ejected. And obviously, uh, I think we all echo that Playmore has a zero tolerance policy. And if you see any sort of uh, language or behaviour of that sort, do not hesitate to go to a steward and get whoever it is, even if you know them, get them chucked out of the ground because we cannot stand for that sort of behaviour, not only in football, but in wider society. It's disappointing right. that none of the Halifax fans who are standing next to him decided to call that out. Um, you know, and hopefully that um, Halifax will take action on that at that person and ban them from their football for life. I hope that they are banned from playing more for life as well. Um, and, you know, it, I have actually contacted Halifax to ask what they are doing about that. I think it's fantastic. You know, the fact that somebody's turned around and, and reported it is is brilliant. You know, if, if you see something that you're not happy with, then you can you can report it to a steward. I, I, it's great. You know, people people being vocal about stuff that they, they're not happy with hearing or seeing is is great. I think, you know, more power to the club for, for things like that. And obviously, you know, we've we've been quite vocal and critical of the club with the, the Her Game 2 stuff. And it was it was just such a brilliant, brilliant thing to see them get involved with that and and give the tickets out. You know, I, I don't know how well attended it was by by new female supporters, but just the fact that that's, that partnership is in place even if it's just making the existing female supporters feel more comfortable, brilliant. Well, you know, absolute credit to the club for, for getting involved in it. Something I yeah. noticed on Saturday was that there was more women in the pop side than I've ever seen before, ever. And that will be because of messaging that says play more is welcome to everybody, you know, and the Woolens Terrace looked full. At the few times that our fans were supporting and chanting for the team, they were getting involved. Um, there was quite a few people there and I've, I don't know. It was really, it's really awesome. Like you know, I started going to Torquay 
many many years ago and to have it as a place where you know steadily I've just seen more and more women coming and and families as well you know and the family end looked like that much fuller because I know that the club has been giving tickets to schools um, and I really like that the response to such a challenging couple of years that the club has had to offer these free tickets to people who've had a tough time or to get more behind the community. Um, there's been so many great initiatives that it's done recently. So, and I think I think that that is encouraging a better atmosphere in many ways at the ground. And I think that 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 those sort of um, initiatives then feed into people feeling comfortable feeling comfortable to report racist behaviour because I think people feel like they're going to be heard and they're going to be listened to and it's a place that doesn't tolerate that. Yeah you're right and and you know the, the next generation of, of Torquay supporters are, are going to come from those schools that are being given tickets and you know are, are going to come from all the community initiatives that we're trying to get involved with again and actually you know ha- having a mum feel that their kid is going to be safe going to the football that again is is a huge. I I was I was allowed to go to the football. I used to go with my dad, and then I'd go with my brother, and then being allowed to go on my own, I was only allowed to do that because my mum under, understood football. And she understood what it meant to us, and 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 she was happy that it was a a safe place for us to go, you know. And and if if another fifty or so kids can you know can go to football because of it. They are the supporters of the future that are, you know in in 10, 15, 20 years time. They're your season ticket holders. They're the reason why the club's still going because we, we've got such an aging population in the bay that you know you've got to constantly recycle the you know the, the support that you're getting and schools is the only way you're going to do that because there's so much football elsewhere that it's just impossible to get to these people before they find the premiership. So going into the school, send the players into the schools. You know, we used to have them come down and do a penalty shootout when we were doing football training at school. Get get them down there. I think that's absolutely brilliant. You know, get the players out there. It was always brilliant to, you know, to meet your heroes. You know, I I, I used to love that when they'd come into to football training and, you know, they'd they'd have you'd have penalty shootouts. Or you'd go to the games, you know, you'd go to a game on a Saturday, you'd get a tour around the changing rooms and and things like that. And you walk around and, and you genuinely walk, walk around wide-eyed and open-mouthed because it, it's such a, a huge environment for you when you're seven or eight years old. And as I say, they're, they're the guys that are going to come and support us in 20, 30 years' time. So get out there and get as many of them in the ground now. I've, I've said it before um, in various places, but I remember how it felt to walk up the pop side stairs for the first time and see the pitch in front of you and it'd be my first live football match. And I always feel when you go to football, you should always, always remember that. And that remember how excited that your, your 10-year-old, 8-year-old self was on that day. I can't believe you're allowed in the pop side at 10. We had to start in the family end. It's sort of slowly, slowly begging to be able to move to the pop side as we got sort of a little bit older. <laughs> no, I started off in the pop side and I became an old man and went to the Bristol's bench after that. But um, I just remember that feeling of seeing the pitch open up in front of you. And you see it on, on, uh, on Twitter, you see little kids seeing the football ground for the first time, their massive smiles. And I think every time you go to football on a Saturday, just remember that and why you're doing it. And maybe it's slightly more easier to enjoy it instead of just standing there being as negative as possible. I think if you just stand there and you're just almost waiting for Torquay to fail, you're just going to be miserable. And that's what brings about some of the, the, the nonsense we see on, on social media and, and this, that and the other. Just, just, just try and enjoy it because there was a time when it was the best thing in the entire world. And you've got to try and make it, you know, you've got to try your hardest to always make sure it's the best thing in the world. And for me, it still is. I, I still absolutely love it. 
it's brilliant. Uh, you know, going going to football, you know, watching football is is should always be a, a fun thing to do. It should it should always bring joy to you. And I think there's a lot of people who take themselves a little bit too seriously when it comes to the, the way they support their side. You know, there were pe- there are people that will say they're a better supporter because they go to every game. I've be, been there, done it. You know, yeah, fantastic. If you can if you can afford to and have the time and, and don't have the commitments to mean that you can go to watch 40, what be 46 league games a season or 44 this season for us. Fantastic. Yeah. Go for it. Go, go and support the team, but don't do it. Don't, don't go and support them until the 80th minute, then give them a load of shit, then moan about it for six days and then go and do it again because that's just a miserable cycle. You know, talky ever since I went and, you know, you talk about going into the pop side and in the family stand, the family stand was the old stand when I first started going. It was it was the old mini stand. It was, you know, where the players used to get dressed in porter cabins out the back of that and used to be able to kick a ball around behind the, you know, the back of the, the stand. It was, you know, it, it was it was fantastic. And it was it was one of those things that I used to absolutely love. But just stop taking yourself so seriously. Go and enjoy the games. But get get behind the lads just that's that's all i ask from anybody that ever goes to play more just get behind them from from minute one to minute 96 because you never know what that positivity might create you know be be positive as much as much as you can yeah you know come away from it and have a have a bit of a bitch and moan i have about an hour hour or two on a saturday if we've lost where i'm a bit pissed off but, but that's the thing though you can have like well i don't i think that's probably the problem with social media but like yeah like I went with my dad and my partner and we all had a moan in the car on the way home, but I didn't feel the need to write it all over Twitter and tag players and say names, you know, and by the time we'd had a moan and got done our three and a half hour journey home, I was feeling better about it really. And I was like, there was some positives actually, you know, there was some good things to talk about. I'm really glad I went. I still had a great time. It's still a memory I'll always, you know, remember and like get, like I said, getting my dad back after feeling comfortable after everything's happened with the pandemic. It was still a great day. You know, it's still the way I chose to spend my Saturday, seven hours of travel to see a three, two loss. <laughs> and and Talk United and Talk United supporters would, would do well to realize that, as a Talk United fan, we're going to lose more games than we win over the, you know, over, over the duration that you're ever going to support us. We'll lose more than we win. I've been there when, when we've got promoted at Wembley, the, you know, the, the Blackpool playoff final in 91. I went to co- the Colchester playoff final in 98 when we didn't turn up and we lost 1-0. And it was just a, a, a it was shit because we obviously we'd been moved from the Saturday because England were trying to secure the World Cup. And, and then, you know, you go to you go to all these games and you know we've like I say we finished 15 points adrift at the bottom of the league one season we we went to barnet and and had to win to stay in the league and we've been we've been worse than we've been good over the the, the majority of the the 30 years I've, I've supported the club yeah literally and, on the way home i said we we've definitely gone down to play more to see more lose more games lost than won definitely yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, when you're a lower league football supporter and and particularly that of a, a smaller lower league club as well, then that's that's always likely to be the case. Because you just accept it. When we have good seasons, enjoy them. You know, I, I go back to the Gary Johnson thing. And we went from 14th in the league the season before last to almost pissing the league if it wasn't for a couple of injuries and we'd have been promoted if it wasn't for 
you know, the, the referee in the playoff final. But we were, we were 14th the year before that, when the season, when the season got curtailed. We were, we were nowhere. And then we went from, from nowhere to being top of the league and winning every week. And that's coming, that was, that, obviously all that came off the back of the, the National League South season where we had a shit start, but we went, we went on massive runs and, and we, won the, we won the league by 10 points. And that came after getting relegated and then having two years of, of being shit and having, you know, I hate the phrase, but the great escapes. And that was off the back of having a couple of years of struggling in the Football League. So you go all the way back to even to, to Lingy and to the buckle bit, which was probably the last period of, of concentrated success and, and, and good win ratios. And we had six or seven years of, of utter dross again. And then we've had a couple of years of success. But people are, are forgetting that we've had worse. We've had a, an awful lot worse. And whilst you don't ever make excuses for not doing very well, you've also got to have a bit of realism here we're not we're not supporting man united we're not we're not eighth in the premier league talking about a crisis you know and we never will be we're always going to be somewhere between where we are now and league 1 if you want if you want more than that if you want to be winning every week i'll tell you now we're not the club for you we're we're not the club for you forget about it like ben said gary johnson took you over to the championship and that was just uh, that was a, a ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous run of, of seasons that they had. But if you want to go and win every week, go and support a side in the Premier League, go and support one of the one of the clubs at the top end of the Premier League. Don't bother coming to play more because it's, it, it will be utterly pointless for you. Six or seven seasons out of every 10. It's like Rowena said earlier, um, Gary Johnson made me feel fall back in love with Talk United in a massive way, in a way that Gary Hours was was very slowly um, seeping all enjoyment out of my body. And week on week, he was just sat there watching properly boring football, inept football. It, it was barely even football. That was like weeks. we had somebody from Twitter running the team, right? That was like, was, oh, yeah. someone's played football manager and got the job. <laughs> Gary Hours was a slow puncture. That, that's, that's, that's all I can do to describe him. Mm. Gary Hours was a slow puncture. Gary Johnson's a firework display. And then, yeah, since then, I've just fallen back in love with it. For all the things that I loved as a child, love, I love about it now. And, you know, he gets back up again. He, he, he doesn't like losing. He hates losing. And I can guarantee he doesn't want his last job in, in professional management to be a failure. He's going to do all he can to, to make sure that he turns this round. And when he says that he's going to get us out of his mess, I, I, I truly believe him. I believe that's what he wants to do. And I back him to do that. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Agree completely. We've, we've probably done all of that to death now and, and people are probably a bit sick of, of listening to that. So how about a little game to finish it off? Ben's definitely going to win. <laughs> I know. I know that Rowena's really looking forward to that. To no, it's because Ben has like the most ridiculous level of knowledge. He's like one of those people that can remember everything, and no, I can't. <laughs> so we we've had this game in in a kind of format before. Tom Vosper did it for us. It's uh, do you watch House of House of Games with Richard Osman? Yes. Nope. So so the end. I'm, re- I'm really really good at it. Yeah. Any round of it, I'm really good at it. Figured, but I figured really want to win now. <laughs> and then after that, I normally watch Only Connect and University Challenge. And I'm really, really good at those as well. And Mastermind. I'm brilliant at Mastermind. Do you have a social life, Ben? No. Of course not. <laughs> That's what he does when everyone else is out at the party he's not been invited to. 
so the last game, the last game on House of Games is basically two clues and an answer that you smash together. All right. So it will become relatively apparent. You can you can write it down or not entirely up to you. So I've got oh. a few of I've got a few of these. So question number one. But each of these, by the way, has a Talkie United player and then something else. Some of it's sporting, some of it not. So question number one. Are we are we shouting these out or are we just writing them down? Can can you show me like what the format is so I understand what this is? Because I haven't seen the show. Okay. So you'd have two clues. Um Yeah, so you get you get two clues where there are two answers, but the middle bit of the answer links the two answers together, if you like. Okay. Okay. Are we shouting these out or are we writing them down? You can write them down if you want and then we'll go through them all. Okay. Okay, question number one. A promotion winning Talkie United fullback and a Premier League ground in the Midlands. Ready for number two, Ben? Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get none. <laughs> These are, this is two Talkie United players, two strikers. One played for us at Old Trafford. The other went to the Euros. Number three, former Talkie United goalkeeper who went to Bristol Rovers and the new presenter of Countdown. Number four, a French midfielder who signed for us after being released by Scunthorpe. And an illness that can be passed to you by mosquitoes and is particularly bad for pregnant women. Number five, our top scorer and the group made up of Jade, Perry and Leanne. Number six, the answer isn't Sam Drew. If it's the man that was making love by Wednesday and a promotion winning Scottish striker. Number seven, which might, might be my favorite one. A nineties kids show set at Bayside High and the striker we sold to Swindon. That one's funny. <laughs> okay, number eight. A Premier League highlights show and a physio who spent a fair bit of time at Playmore but went to Plymouth. Nobody's going to appreciate the look on Ben's face in this podcast now. And do I'll do one more. Number nine will be Sam Drew's favourite Talkie United player and the show hosted by Keith Lemon. Let's get your criticisms of the game out of the way first, Ben, before we go through the answers, because I know that some of them don't work in the exact format of the show and, and we know what a stickler you are for your English language and, and, the, and rule, rules are rules. No, it's fine. It's it's fine. You know, yeah. you, whatever. You know, 
It could be worse. I could have either told Ballard jokes or typed the questions out on his phone and then nobody would have known what was going on. I feel like I've got very few. So Ben, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really pleased when Little Mix came up. <laughs> well, I figured that given that that Ben is our equivalent of, of David Mitchell on Would I Lie to You? He might not know who Little Mix are. No, I've got that one. Po- po- popular, mu- popular music, Ben. <laughs> popular music. Um, okay, are you ready for the answers or are you still going through? Uh, there's only one I haven't got. Oh, somebody, so, could, somebody could beat Ben Curry on a podcast which one game. Which haven't you got? What number? Uh, the French midfielder signed from Scunthorpe. Oh, yeah, I haven't got that one either. That's... <laughs> We didn't sign him from Scunthorpe. He was released by Scunthorpe and then we signed him. Is that number four? That is number four, yes. I mean, I'm surprised you can't get it because you can probably work it out from the second clue. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. You think you've got it? Yeah. Okay, this would be disappointing if you have got it because somebody could have the opportunity to beat you on a podcast game here, so... I think something that I've become very aware of playing this game as I should never go on a game show. I'm not good under pressure. <laughs> okay. So number one, Torquay United promotion winning fullback and a Premier League ground in the Midlands. Lee Cannon Villa Park. That's the one. I got the Villa Park bit. So, so number two, the striker that played for us at Old Trafford and the one that went to the Euros. Billy Keepermore. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't work because Kiefer is spelled with an I, not with an E. There, so. there it is. Look, I got that oh, one right. Told, You're just talking. <laughs> I said to him to get it out of the way early on, and he said, no, no, it's fine. I'll never forget Billy Key in that game. Let's put it that way. Okay. And he'll probably, I don't know whether I'll have, no, he shouldn't have a problem with the next one. The goalkeeper who went to Bristol Rovers and the host of Countdown. Scott Bevan, was that the goalkeeper? Scott Bevan Robinson. Scott Bevan Robinson. Uh, I didn't know the new countdown person. I'm really good at countdown. I wouldn't See, blame it at countdown. The, the thing is, listeners, I have a life, so I don't watch daytime TV. <laughs> she sits at home in her pyjamas all day, every day, just telling people what to do. <laughs> and here tea. we are. <laughs> okay, number four, the one that you weren't sure that you'd got, Ben, the, the midfielder signed from or signed after he left Scunthorpe and a mosquito. Yeah, the problem I had was here is I was, I was convinced it was malaria, which threw me down the garden path. And then I engaged my brain and realised it was Damien Mazika virus. That is the one. Uh, yeah. Okay. I got stuck on malaria. Okay. <laughs> Ro, you think you've got number five. So it's the top scorer and the band. Armani Little Mix. That's the one. I've got this one too, I think. Number six, the man making love by Wednesday, not Craig David. Uh, sorry, not Sam Jurif, but Craig David. Craig David Graham. Craig David Graham. And then, like I say, my favourite one, 90s kids TV show set at Bayside and the striker we sold to Swindon. It's saved, on, ben, by the saved by the belly at Benyon. And <laughs> I must pick you up on your kids TV show because I think you'll find it can be enjoyed by adults. Well, I'm not saying I haven't watched the, the one that's on at the moment, but, you know. <laughs> it was a kids' TV show for me in the 90s. Anyway. Ben's favourite programme on a Saturday night. Casualty? 
Hey, didn't that get cancelled? <laughs> so we've got a Premier League highlight show and a physio from Plymouth. I want to say it's match of the Damon Davy. Match of the Damien Davy. Yeah, I was never going to get that one. <laughs> I got match of the day, but. And we did, oh yeah, we did the last one, which I know, again, Ben's going to have a problem with. But Sam Drift's favourite Talk United player and the panel show hosted by Keith Lemon. Go on, Ben. Lee Man's celebrity juice. Correct. I didn't know the Keith Lemon bit. See, this is how little TV I watch. <laughs> I got the Lee Mansell bit. Do I get half a point? Okay, so I did really badly. You, you, I don't want to say my I score. Mean, I mean, I can, you can you can put half a point down. I can't stop you, but Ben Ben's got nine out of nine there, hasn't he? So obsessing, really, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if it makes him the winner. Like of the game, it does, but you know. But you, you, you also <laughs> yes. know I, I'm a very very good winner. You know, I, I I very rarely shove it down people's throats. I don't gloat. So it's I can't about. imagine I can't imagine we'll ever hear about it again. So no, no. Well, this, fact, is the second, fact, uh, this is the second game I've lost in a row on this podcast. So The know. problem is other people tell me how great I am all the time. And that, that, that becomes a problem then. Is that why, so, you know, what? yeah. I've seen like a lot of Crystal, fans, Crystal Palace fans get on with you, actually. They do, yeah. I mean, all over here is oh, I can't play Ben at a quiz. He'll beat me. So, you know, it's not my fault. Maybe they're all just jealous then, Ben. Maybe that's Who the knows? problem. There's a, a reason knows? why Ben's not allowed to do our Christmas quiz. He's got to, he's got to be the quiz master. Yeah, it's ruined otherwise. So, but I'm Ben, I'll be I'll be unanimous in defeat. I'll probably <laughs> let it go in about three weeks' time, and I'll make you fill in loads of spreadsheets in the meantime just to get my own back. Never Unless, do we have any any other business anywhere? Does anybody have anything else that they would like to say before we we turn in for the night? Uh, yes, we have been drawn against Tombridge Angels in the first round of the FA Trophy, and that seems like a massive waste of time the week before Christmas, and no one should give it any second thought whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, cu- I couldn't agree more. I, I, I figured it was probably going to be older shot away, because it usually is. Um, I, I did have a dream that it might be Plymouth Parkway, which would have been lovely. Could have all gone down there and, and filled their 250 capacity stadium. Um, but no, no, it's a it's a trip to probably somewhere further than one of the sides in the northern section that we could have played. Which I think you know, if when you play in these sorts of, of games, you could you could quadrant the com- country quite nicely and stop people the week before Christmas from having to travel. You know a 700 mile round trip for most but look if if it's a game that we can go and win then great but at the moment it it doesn't feel like after after some of the the results recently it doesn't feel like the the biggest and, and best use of our time i'd, I'd be quite happy well marina likes it i heard her in the last podcast say <laughs> how much she likes the fa trophy so you know we've got to go there and win it I was also made to say that I like Gary Hours, so we'll just move on from that, shall we? Send Aaron Downs, let Gary Johnson go scouting or Christmas shopping or whatever it is he wants to do. Um, you know, get a bit of tinsel around Danny Wright's moon boot, and you know, yeah, move on. Get, get let's get let's get into those Yeovil games over over Boxing Day and New Year. So yeah, um, anything else from yourself, Ro? Nothing from me. Thank you. Lovely. Well, thank you all very much for joining us and we will see you again next week.